am really big on leading by example, and I definitely was not always like that. Again, with me being extreme about things, like I have gone through every phase of like being vegetarian, being vegan, and when I first went zero waste, I was kind of preachy towards people, and that just turns people off. I noticed that just by, with my roommates, they had a ton of paper towels, and if I replaced them with rags, and I like did the laundry for them and all that stuff, like they just got in a habit without me being like, no, you should take away the paper towels. From Vermont Center for Emerging Technologies, it's Start Here, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. On today's episode, we sit down with Marina McCoy, a sustainability strategist who has figured out how to influence the environmental efforts of family, friends, and global companies alike, all while remaining exceedingly likable. Welcome. This is Sam Roach Gerber and Dave Bradbury recording from the Consolidated Communications Technology Hub in downtown Burlington, Vermont. Hi, Marina. Hi, that was such a nice introduction. <laughs> How are you normally introduced? <laughs> this girl. Oh, you know. Yeah. Waste girl. I guess. <laughs> that girl in the trash over there, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> Rolling in the compost. Yeah. Rolling in the compost. That's, that's a good intro. Rolling in the compost. Sure is. Um, so, Marina, I've been, you know, kind of dying to ask you this question, so I figured we might as well have a podcast so I can ask you on air here. Um, but I'd love to hear about just your relationship with sustainability. Have you always been such a mindful consumer? Oh, definitely not. I come from an extreme overconsumption family that like, always used plastic water bottles. I grew up on TV dinners, um, salad and plastic bags, like that type of thing. So it really wasn't until I was in college where I found my inspiration. It was in high school when I did this reduce, reuse, recycle project, and I got like an A in it, and my teacher kept on saying I had a passion for it, but I put it off to the side. I was like, oh, no, like I'm not a sustainability person. I'm a graphic designer. So I went to school for that because there was more money in the field at the time, and by the time I went to college, I found out that my passion was sustainability and decided to go through with it. Still useful to have that graphic design, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for, I did it for like four months. <laughs> there you go. That counts as a long-term career, right? Yeah. <laughs> for a millennial, absolutely. So mm-hmm. tell us, what is Waste-Free Earth? Waste-Free Earth is a sustainability consulting company where we build sustainable strategies for events to help them be more environmentally sound and lower their environmental footprint and reduce overall waste consumption. And, and what, what does a customer or an event look like? like? It ranges. We have clients all throughout the United States, and it goes from conferences to small community events, weddings now, and music festivals up to 100,000 people. And why did you start with events or why do you focus on events? I mean, obviously there could be change made in lots of different areas as well, but why start there? I'm definitely a community-based person. I try to create community wherever I go and I wasn't a music festival person to begin with, but there was this festival down in Southern Vermont called the Friendly Gathering that I went to for a high school reunion. Yeah. (laughs) Went there for a high school reunion for like my freshman and sophomore year of college because I'm from Rutland, Vermont. And that's really where it all began. I'm not 
I don't really go to music festivals in my own free time, but that festival is like near and dear to my heart. And my sophomore year, I believe it was 2013, is when I had my hypocritical moment. I thought that because I was studying sustainability, it made me uber sustainable. So I was at this like hippie festival drinking and like having a good time. Meanwhile, like polluting the environment. And one night it was pouring rain outside. We were walking back to our campsite and there was all these glow sticks in the ground and it was super muddy. And this group of girls walks by and comments on how bad they are for the environment and how toxic they are for the ground. And in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, F that, like they suck. But we all walked past them, like none of us picked them up. And I walked into my tent and noticed that it was glowing without me putting any lights on. And I noticed I had glow sticks from my head down to my ankles. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh man, I'm a hypocrite. And I couldn't stop seeing, like I brought the red Solo cups. I had hummus wrapped in plastic, um, pita chip in plastic bags, like just everything. And I couldn't stop seeing it throughout the whole weekend. We were glitter. <laughs> glitter. Yeah. Luckily, I didn't have glitter on, but I did have body paint too. Like it was just, it was a huge awakening and seeing the artists on stage and them singing about the environment and taking care of one another. Yet after the set, there was just a sea full of plastic. So from that moment on, I got obsessed with waste. My friends make fun of me because I always tend to do the extreme of everything. So. I went like zero waste and I started watching TED Talks about the waste epidemic and going into living zero waste and inventorying my waste and setting up spreadsheets on how I could reduce my waste. Just became obsessed and the next year I reached out to Friendly Gathering and said I would love to help them out and they said they didn't have any money to pay me but I could be a rock star volunteer. So I did it because I was um, a sophomore in college. And they ended up paying me that year, and I was with them for five whole years up until now they're on hiatus. Wow. Yeah. No better way to get the experience, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was 20 years old when I first led um, a department at a music festival. So I was the youngest department head, which is pretty cool. And I still am one of the youngest department heads at age 26. So cool. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit more about your clients. Like, who are they? Do you have any favorites? I don't want to... That's an unfair They're all like unique and we're so, I love my clients so much. It's really amazing to see when we've been working with a client for multiple years and then maybe being a bit apprehensive about doing the sustainable sustainability strategies because they don't think their staff members can do it. They don't think their attendees are into it. The budget is always a huge issue, and they're just worried. You're messing with their day-to-day -day habits while at the event. Like, it's all systems-based. So going in the first year when an event has already been happening for a while, it's um, always fun to figure out how their system works. But we're just there for su support and inspiring them. And through that, like, year after year, they get better and better. And then they're asking us about, oh, like, hey, what about this way or what about that way? And we've seen amazing results. Like our last one, we do MTV's New Year's Eve event out in Tahoe, and we were able to reduce their overall waste consumption by 90,000 pounds within one year. And the year before, it was 30,000 pounds. So just in two years, we reduced their waste by 120,000 pounds. But we've been working with them for five years, and their department heads are trained. Like we have them on this system where they don't, feel bad about asking questions or embarrassed about the ways like we're here for support and like ha having helping them navigate through like okay 
should you be ordering these decorations? What about sponsors? What about food vendors? What about the messaging? Like it's a full package that we present. So it's really cool. I love it. And just the, that mindset that mm-hmm. event owners and brands that are, that are doing these things or even a, a wedding party, like is it, is it just who they are as individuals or is it a corporate edict that they're going to be sustainable or to be competitive as a festival, I've got to do this little hook mm-hmm. so people feel good about a $200 three-day pass or something? Like, mm-hmm. like what has changed I think it's a mixture. So a lot of producers do want to do right for the environment, but it does come at a price. Like it is more expensive to do a lot of the strategies because it's all systems-based. Like we need a lot of people on site. Sometimes a more environmentally sound alternative is more expensive, but there are cost-saving strategies within it. So they're save on like dumpster disposal costs. But that like only goes so far with like them being all about it, but they also get like the PR and the marketing side of it as well, which helps because that brings in more sponsors, which then helps fund our program. So it all works together. And I'm really, really against greenwashing. That's a big reason why I started my company because I would see events going for this certification that costs 20 grand and they're not really doing that much. And in my eyes, that 20 grand could have actually gone into implementing some really awesome stuff. So if we feel like a festival is greenwashing our strategies, if they're not supporting our documents, if they're not sending out our contracts, then we actually drop them as a client. You fire them. (laughs) Give us a name. Who have you fired? I'm totally not doing that. uh, Like like Monsanto or somebody? Yeah. (laughs) Dow Chemical. A couple last year and... uh, it's just I. So you're walking I'm the walk, really big, right? Yeah. You know who you are, and I think mm-hmm. after your uh, chemical-laden experience in southern Vermont, right, it's who you became, right? <laughs> Wait, the chemical. remember chemical the glow sticks and all that oh, stuff, yeah, like head chemical. to toe. I mean, you, yeah. she sounded like a fire hazard to me, like right. It was sort of. Oh, I look back on photos. I'm like, oh my goodness, there I was. But it's okay. I'm going to try to make up for it now. It's motivational as hell. <laughs> um, so how do you get new clients? I mean, those are some really big names. Um, I mean, I guess you just said MTV, but I heard you <laughs> mention others as well. Um, do they come to you? Do you do outreach? How does that work? We've been extremely fortunate that it's all been word of mouth marketing. I have spent $0 in marketing so far. I just hired someone to help with marketing because we're expanding the company. We've been getting a lot of requests for proposals, but I really do believe in taking care of your clients and especially your staff members. So we take that very seriously and it's helped us out in more ways than we could imagine because they refer us. And if another producer is hearing it from another producer that we've worked with or other staff members, like staff members at the event, sometimes we'll reach out to another event that they work because it's all like a festival family and we've get, gotten brought on by that, too. So it's been super awesome. And now LinkedIn has, like, I've gotten right? <laughs> clients through LinkedIn. Totally. There's groups yeah. you can join and, and mm-hmm. be the expert and good things will happen, right? Yeah. You're really good about paying it forward. So um, you've worked with VSET here. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a co-working community that um, really didn't have anything too apparent about sustainability um, and you sort of helped us learn and challenge us to change. So just talk about, you know, what's the secret to influencing people? Like that, that process. I am really big on leading by example, and I definitely was not always like that 
again, with me being extreme about things, like I have gone through every phase of like being vegetarian, being vegan, and when I first went zero waste, I was kind of preachy towards people, and that just turns people off. I noticed that just by, with my roommates, they had a ton of paper towels, and if I replaced them with rags, and I like did the laundry for them and all that stuff, like they just got in a habit without me being like, no, you should take away the paper towels. Just like slowly adjust Take away the shaming element of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Because no one wants to feel worse than they already are. Like, I don't know. It's, it's really hard to um, push an agenda on people. So I just try to lead by example and inspire people. And if people ask, then I'll obviously love to talk about it, but I'm not just going to push it down. I mean, you know, stress. I got to say, honestly, God darn you. Right? <laughs> you know, you... Uh, I was thinking like, shit, I used a thing I shouldn't have. Is Marina here looking? I don't want to disappoint her, right? Which is good, right? Yeah, what would Marina do? <laughs> what would Marina do? <laughs> oh, maybe that's our bumper sticker. So many of my clients use it. <laughs> I'll get emails like, what would Marina do? So then I started the what would Marina do Wednesday segment on my Instagram. Cause it's people, my favorite. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know it, it really is. A gift, and I mean that. Mm-hmm. In that, I, there are so many people out there that are, you know, passionate and trying to do the right thing, but it's not approachable, and it's mm-hmm. not done in good taste, and it feels judgy. And I think humans, you know, our reaction is, well, if I can't do it a hundred percent, why even bother, right? And I think that's a big issue with the environmental crisis in general. Is like, well, how can my this one person's actions really make that much of a difference? But I think. You know, what you've proven even on this little small scale at VSAT is, you know, just by doing a few things and, like you said, leading by example makes a huge difference. And, you know, just a personal note, one of my favorite things is now we have a sustainability Slack channel at VSAT mm-hmm. and, like, at least like weekly, there's a post of someone like, hey, Marina, look what I did this week. And they're just so, so excited to share that with you. And I think um, that's got to be a huge part of why you've been so successful is it's, you know, it's almost contagious, really, to start making these little changes. And mm-hmm. um, the more you do, you know, the easier it gets. Yeah, I love when people show me how they're being sustainable. And it was really fun. We did a plastic challenge here and seeing how people were getting more creative with reducing their plastic waste. And we had one person in here that used to bring their eggs in like a plastic bag every single day. And now he brings them in a mason jar. And it just was really, really cool to see the impact. And I don't know. I love being people's cheerleader, supportive. You're, you're awesome at it. Um, <laughs> is there like one product out there that you wish could be waste free? Hmm. Probably concert wristbands, because that's in my really? jar yeah. all the time. Because I can produce for a year's worth of plastic waste into one jar. It's like that or PLU stickers. Those are the biggest thing that are in my job. PLU, like, like uh, the sticker on a banana kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So those two things, and that's like the biggest contaminant in composting too because people all the time forget to take them off. Like in, at Visa and the compost one, like even though we have no PLU stickers, but people don't read signs. It's like what we have to do at my job all the time. Like how can we make this sign bigger so people see it? Um, and it's just like always being... Like the PLU stickers, they find their way in, and it's really unfortunate because it's you know it's a plastic and then it turns into so the waste stream won't they'll reject the compost that we bring potentially or is it they won't reject it but it makes their process 
a lot harder. Like I feel horrible that like with the Act 148, the Universal Recycling and Composting Law, that the facilities are getting the burden of it, of like the wishful recycling and the uneducation part of it. So I don't think it's fair, but we're trying to like put it out there. So for Vermonters, we got all compost <laughs> coming up here. Yeah. Sell me on it. Sell your own composting? Yeah, I just, I have such an aversion to composting and I'm so a bad person. So what is your like, the like, hate beef with gonna composting? <laughs> I think he's scared of bears. I think Yeah, it we got bears. Like, But you could drop off your compost. You don't need to have It's my neighbor's one. compost. The bears go feed over there and bring it to our pond in our backyard. And, and oh, I'm out there at night. So it's more so like your neighbor's. Personal safety. Well, I'm just saying. It could be my <laughs> corn cob. I don't know. but Yeah. Um, I'm open to the idea. I'm to open to the them. idea of it. I just want to know um, why is that a really great thing for Vermont? Big picture composting. Well, just in general, composting is really big because if so, if you throw food waste into a landfill, it's going to emit methane, which is 23 times more potent than CO2. Plus, you're throwing away not just like the lettuce head, but you're throwing away all the resources that went into producing that lettuce head you're going into like all the travel that the lettuce like travel from california to get there the plastic wrapping like there's so many variables that go into just making that lettuce head that now it's just in the landfill rotting away that's going to take 20 years to decompose in the landfill because there's no oxygen just a lettuce head 20 years so if you throw it into a compost it's going to take a couple of weeks to break down. And then you're going to get soil out of it that will then grow more plants and vegetables, which you'll eat. And then your compost is right, grass. Fine, it's like a full circle. We'll electri- <laughs> I'll electrify our compost area. The 20-year lettuce head really mm-hmm. drives it home. Yeah, that kind of bums me out. Totally. Yeah. Um, but there's opportunity. Okay. Um, hope that helps, Dave. We'll send Marina over to your house. She'll set up some composting for you, right? I, I have to say I don't do backyard composting myself because I unfortunately travel a lot for work. Yeah. But I do the drop-off one, and it's free in Wilson, and it's $1.50 in Burlington. So that's I'm trying to have a growth probably. mindset here in 2020, so this could be it. There you go. Um, so, Marina, I've met a couple of your employees, and they're mm-hmm. incredible people. Yeah, they're awesome. Um, tell us about who's on your team, how you've built it, um, and sort of, you know, what's important to you there. You talked a little bit about how taking care of your employees is really important to you, but can you talk a little bit more about sort of the culture you're building? Yeah, so I'm so, so fortunate to have, like, the most amazing team. And it's all through volunteers and interns or, like, local hires. So I've met them along the way on the journey because I didn't officially start my company like until a couple years ago, I've been doing it for half a decade, but I started it like two nights before my TEDx talk. Like I was, uh, I was house sitting and I was like, oh man, I should probably like have a company to go under like, before get I give a TED talk. Like, okay, waste for years. And like I made the website, Instagram, Facebook all in one day. And nice. uh, that's how it was made. And um, with just having volunteers, because it's just me for a while being the sustainability director for the events. And I'd have these really passionate volunteers come along and they'd be like, hey, like, I would love to continue on working for you. And as the company grew, I let them know about events that were coming up and if it was paid, like if travel was included, all that stuff. And it just slowly began to grow. And 
Um, I've met some really awesome people along the way. One of my local hires in Memphis, Tennessee, Alexandra, who works for me. She's a rock star. And like from the first moment I met her and I saw her like digging through the compost on site, but then also being able to talk to the department heads and train volunteers, just doing everything, I immediately hired on her on and she's been traveling with me for the past year and a half. And I have this awesome girl, Sydney or Becca, like it's really female strong. And then I have like all these awesome guys too. It's just, I was really slow with building out my team and it worked out. Um, in my favor and I couldn't be more excited about it and I always ask for feedback and let them know that if they ever feel devalued or if they need an increase like to always reach out to me because I don't want to lose them it is temporary work like we're I just hired Alex on to help me with um, office stuff but I understand if they have to go get another job because it's per event at this point and I'll like support them along the way with it but paying them livable wages and then we're also one percent for the planet company in Vermont business for social responsibility. So just starting the right way was really important for me, like having that foundation. So I've studied social justice in college and having that social aspect is just as important to me as the environmental aspect to sustainability. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, so as a, as a business owner mm -hmm. and entrepreneur, have you had any mentors that have sort of helped you think about the business aspects of this? Because mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, passion and cause don't necessarily align with the sustainability <laughs> of a business, right? Paying the bills yeah. or, or the rest. So like, where'd you go to for help if, if you mm -hmm. needed any? Well, I definitely needed help before, like, because I graduated college in 2016 and I was doing events for a little bit, but I was like, I don't know what I want to do. So I bought a van and decked it out like started traveling the country, setting up pro like the sustainability programs without like having my business yet. And just like figuring out like, oh, like to pay for this and that, never wrote a business plan. And actually one of my business mentors, who is like this multimillionaire CEO of all these companies, he told me not to write a business plan. So I never wrote a business plan, which I do regret in part because like the financials thing I'm glad I figured out my financials and, you know, payroll and insurance, all that stuff still in an early stage. But like if you're not, you don't need to spend the whole entire time writing like a really lengthy business plan. But knowing your financials and your target market and your mission and vision is definitely really important because I was just like flogging along in my van all across the country. <laughs> um, but I've used like every single free resource I think Vermont has has like to offer. So I took all the classes at CWE that I could, the free ones, the paid ones. I work with a small business council here, Sarah Kern. She's amazing. Love Sarah. She has been a huge supporter. She's a big listener of the Start Here podcast. So yeah. All right. Thank Hi, you, Sarah. Sarah. Shout out to Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been extremely fortunate. My dad's also like a great business mentor. Oh, I'm so sorry. My phone is never on. <laughs> wow, we've never had that sort of ballsiness in one of our tapings before. Right? And she's a businesswoman. She's got calls she's coming good. in. It's MTV. You know? MTV. This is authentic. More so likely is my dad calling. <laughs> <laughs> we have a Google Speaking Voice of number now. Business, uh, business folks and mentors. Mm -hmm. You said he's been helpful as well. Yeah, huh? yeah. He's been a huge support. Even when I was going off to college, he was always like, "Hey, like, just do." what you're passionate about and you know this same old saying goes like you're not gonna have to work a day in your life and 
that really ingrained in me because he loves skiing, so he followed his passion and like was a retail director at Killington for multiple years and now is the president of Pico Ski Mountain. Like he got that when he was like 60, 61 years old and just following his dream and it was really cool to see that and he's just instilled that in me and has been like a huge support mentally and gives me advice whenever and like pumps me up so I'm very excited. That's good. It's great that, that you you uh, worked with the Center for Women Enterprise too. Mm-hmm. That is a really gem of a resource yeah. here in our communities. There's so right. many. Like I got an email last year like an automated one from the governor, like thanking me for having a business in Vermont, and they linked to all these free resources, and I just clicked every single one and emailed all them, and then like jumped That's on the phone cool. with people from the state. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, hope we're on that. I I, I don't. I, I'm kind of like, wow. I want one. Just the to small see. business council refers you guys because that's how Sarah referred me here. Oh, man, she's the best. Yeah. Um. Uh, one thing I'm curious of, what is the hardest part of your job? Mm. Honestly, probably the stigma yeah. that people have around waste. Like, we do so much stuff leading up to the event. Like, we'll build the strategies, go into what all the vendors are buying, what the sponsors are bringing in, all that stuff, and then carbon footprint analysis if they need that. But for some reason, people have it in their mind that, like, waste is, like, the most repulsive thing. And the people that think that are usually ones that are making the most amount of waste. Because in my mind, like, oh, I only produce, like, this amount of waste. But I'm dealing with, like, (laughs) millions of pounds of waste. So that, I hope, changed. People think that, like, a person that's involved with waste should look a certain way and be a certain way. So that gets annoying to constantly have to, like, validate, like, no, this stuff is important and this is why. And I'm a data nerd, so, like, being able to tell people why it's important, like, through numbers is really helpful. But that, hands down, and letting people know, like, hey, we deserve to, like, have a budget. We deserve for, like, my employees to be treated properly, have a livable wage, and do all that stuff. Um, So really hope that people's view of it changes because it's super important. And if people are really concerned with climate change, like, waste is such a big part of it because it's overconsumption, overproduction, the traveling of all the products, and then the traveling of the disposal of the products being shipped all over the country and then internationally. Like, it's a huge issue in the resources used, so. And it's it's one of the few things we actually have control over, right? Yeah. Like, if you want to do something about it, you can actually do something about it, which I think is, you know, a ray of hope for sure. Exactly, because like a typical American produces four and a half pounds of waste a day. So if you could just try to reduce that by a fourth, like you're making a huge impact because that's 1,600 pounds a year that just one person makes. And you might not think you're making that all in one day, but that includes the spring cleaning and like all the random stuff when like you're you know, producing more waste than normal. Mm. Yeah, that seems kind of low. Four, four and, and a half, half pounds. pounds. Yeah, I was like, think it through, but... Um, I've got a couple teenage boys, so maybe that's our household. Yeah, and you can start composting now. Well, there's a. I think there's a. <laughs> I think there's a gorilla composting program going on in my house, mm-hmm. and we just not. I mean, we just don't talk about it as a family. I would like to share that Phoebe and I did have a secret compost for about two and a half years that Dave never knew Here about. Here at, at VC, so. told yeah. me about that. Wow, rebel. Yeah, <laughs> he survived, you know. Wow, I, I'm flabbergasted. Okay, um, we love hearing about big mistakes, big mm-hmm. learnings, mm. like during the business, 
piece like? Is there some bit of advice that, you know, you survived something learned that you'd want to share with, you know, someone else who's maybe on their own journey? Oh, man, there's so many. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh, I would say the pricing is like a big thing. When you're in being a consultant, people will always come back to you on price because you aren't like they can't see how you're mapping everything out and all the research that goes into it because when you set up the system it's you know hopefully running smoothly so like oh did it take that long to make like why are we getting charged for that so really taking the time to understand what like the market prices and because I was getting under budgeted so much I locked into multi-year contracts before I like officially started my company so then when I started my company I was working for events that now I had like all this insurance costs this payroll costs so I was like barely even breaking even like with all the expenses so that was a huge wake-up call to that and like adding into the contracts like this is that and making sure that they don't pay on time there's gonna be a fee associated because I like didn't get paid for eight months from one event, and I've bootstrapped my whole wow. company on my own. Like I haven't taken out any outside loans, haven't done any investors. Like it's been all me, like picking up side gigs, like bartending or catering, to like pay for this stuff for the company. So you know, like you don't not know a, that until yeah. <laughs> until you're like, oh man, it's been like this many months that I have. Was it a paid. was it a um. Was it confidence in yourself as an entrepreneur to be able to sort of pitch a big network, right? Or was it just because it was a new sort of topic and there was really no standards around pricing? Did, did any I sense or, or maybe you didn't do that business plan, right? <laughs> well, yeah, the business plan definitely would have helped. Um, but again, I was really young. I was 20 years old when I started doing all this stuff and I was still in college and I had like two degrees, one in business and one in sustainability. So I had a lot on my plate, but still people just like everyone's trying to save money. Like the bottom line is such a big thing. And if I went in with more detail, like I also didn't know what I was doing. I was like building these budgets out of nowhere. I was like, oh, this is like how much it's going to cost like this, like messing around with spreadsheets when I was younger. And now knowing like all the stuff that goes into it, tracking my hours was huge because I didn't realize how long it was taking me to make a proposal or a pitch deck or our final report afterwards, because we'll give events like a 20-page report afterwards, like and going into every single department and identifying the key waste contributors and then offering up solutions. So a lot of work goes into it, and I wasn't accounting for all of it. But now we are, which is awesome. But <laughs> it took a while to like validate myself, because some people don't understand like the value or and that I think is really tough but now even when I'm on the phone with a potential client I could almost hear in their voice if they're going to be valuing us or not and before the old me used to like still try to chase after them to get them as a client but now it's like no Marina like you don't need this client it's going to be a lot more work and they might greenwash your efforts or not value you and your team and that's just not not worth it not worth it yeah i don't want my team to ever feel like they're not valued especially by me or by an event that we're working for and it's you know you're it's a service that's new you've created Mm -hmm. a category basically so it's not something that's been built into their budgets really so i think you know you have to do that much more work in mm-hmm. order to you know they're used to having food vendors it's all they've always had food vendors you know whereas like a sustainability mm-hmm. person they're like oh well this is something we didn't account for so you have to make mm-hmm. even a better case which is a challenge 
It's hard, especially because it's not just waste. So we actually work with whatever waste management team they have on for an event. So there usually is a budget line for that. But we're coming in. And another reason why I started the company was I saw the disconnect between the overall production of events and then the waste management, that they weren't really talking, that they were hiring a crew to come in and clean up the event, make it look great, and then, of course, like divert and manage the waste, but not actually going in and eliminating the waste. So Preventing. when we're talking to events, like, hey, like we'll work alongside, like we'll coordinate strategies and collaborate together, but we want to go into every single department. We want to go into the artist relations, the VIP, the food vendors, the sponsors, like the stage crew, all that to try to eliminate the waste first so that way the waste management crew has less waste to manage. So like trying to work all together because this problem is so big. But yeah, that's a hard push, especially when people have been used to paying a certain price and they're like, hey, like we're coming in and it's actually more now, but it's worth it. <laughs> well, that's it's nice that it's matured in that way, right? When mm -hmm. people say yes. Um, so as an entrepreneur, you get to roll and hang with other entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. right? Um, we're always interested to know, is there any other Vermont company that you sort of like say, well, that's cool. I got to keep an eye on that one. Someone is doing something that's sort of impressing you in any way? I would have to say, like, being in Visa, there's so many awesome people, but Byron, the easy probate, he's just, like, his business model is awesome, but he's so open to sharing all of his systems and will, like, constantly take the time, like, draw what he's doing and help you out with something. Be like, hey, like, I even went up to him today because we're submitting this new proposal for like a higher client and it's like could you mind like looking over he's like oh of course like I'm doing all this stuff right now but like send it to me in a google sheets and he's helped me implement systems and different softwares and just like as an entrepreneur he's amazing and as a person he's like an incredible human and what he's doing for people with easy probate is absolutely amazing like saving them thousands of dollars and making a difficult time that they're going through a little bit less difficult. So, big fan of Byron. Good choice. But who isn't? I think <laughs> yeah. he's the best. No, Bar he, he exemplifies all the things we hope for and mm -hmm. coworkers and members and companies that we work with. Um, yeah. So, um, what does... I want to talk a little bit about, like, what success means for you. Mm -hmm. And you shared, like, a couple um, examples of, like, amazing number of the amount of waste that you've saved um, mm -hmm. from certain events and things like that. But what are you most proud of? What is there one thing that you look back on or, you know, that you think about when people ask you about your business that you're really psyched about? Oh, there's so many. There's two that really stick out to me. Um, one would be the changing of mindset for people. Like, so we're doing like all the waste stuff and going in and eliminating it, but being a support for the producers, the staff members, and even my staff members, and just people in general, when they get inspired and they're tagging us on Instagram, like, hey, like I'm using my reusable cup that I got one of your events that you helped do the sustainability for, and like now I'm using it when I'm camping or like partying with friends or just out and about getting a smoothie in. That to me really nails it home that we are inspiring people and we're having that ripple effect that when they come to an event, they're seeing how they could live sustainably and it's not intimidating. It's not like, oh my God, like I have to do all this stuff. Like it's like, hey, like here's the system. It's right there. All you have to do is remember 
to like bring this and like say no. Like you have so much power as a consumer to say no to a lot of things in your day-to-day life that you actually can go without. There's certain things that, you know, you um, definitely need that may come, might come wrapped in plastic, but there's things I never thought I would live without, but I can now um, with that. And another one is probably my crew, how they say that like, oh, like, I found people that get me. It takes like a special breed to like roll around in compost, but then also be able to speak to like thousands of people or hundreds of people and like let them know why sustainability is an issue um, and why, but also inspiring them at the same time. So that's really cool. And like they're all best friends now and they hang out and they have this group and it makes me happy to like find like have found that crew that's extremely intellectual, hardworking, and also super goofy. That's in our like welcome packet. Super like goofy. Our, I love our that. culture, our company culture is goofy, quirky, but like most importantly, hardworking. Love that. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. I love it. From the compost pile to the boardroom, right? Like yeah, that's exactly. You, that's how that's how you roll. Well, and I don't like there to ever be a hierarchy, so I have to make sure that the people are doing the consulting will jump in and sort the waste too. Like I don't want one person to think that, oh, like, I am doing, like, the consulting and office stuff. My stuff is better than storing through waste. And I've made that very clear, and I've had to let go of people because of that because they didn't want to jump in mm-hmm. with it. I have a girl that has extreme food allergies, <laughs> McKenna, and she's still sourcing the compost. I tell her not to. Like, she wears, like, a whole hazmat suit. Oh, my God. She's so committed, and she's, like, crazy intelligent. It's awesome. Well, those are the folks that will change the world. So. Yes. Sam, we have to ask a magic wand question. Do you want to? I took the last one. I think it's your turn. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'll take this one. So magic wand time. Ready? Mm-hmm. If you could change one thing in Vermont right now, what would you change? You know, I've listened to like all the podcast episodes waiting for my time to say this. And <laughs> now I'm so nervous. Um, I would say making sustainability more accessible. Um, living zero waste is definitely a privilege and I, I'm fortunate to be able to live zero waste because I have the accessibility to shop at the co-op and buy things in bulk and afford to drop off my compost and do things like that. So in order for there to be a big change for like reduction of waste or getting people on the sustainability movement has to be accessible to every single person, not just for a certain class. So I'm no economics person, but being able to reach people of certain demographics so that they can compost and they feel inspired to shop in the bulk section and they have like the tools that they need is really important to me. Um, Like we connect with local shelters or like food shelves, wherever we work events to donate the leftover stuff, but like really making it known and driving it home, I would say. So accessibility is a huge thing for me. Love it. It's awesome. Thank you for coming in today. (laughs) This has been Start Here with Sam and Dave, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. The series has been made possible by the Vermont Technology Council and Consolidated Communications. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share it broadly. Thanks for listening. Let's get to composting (laughs) right now.